Well, welcome to Ryan Spelt's podcast. I'm excited for another episode here in season two. I don't know if you know. Oh, that is awesome. Took like a four month break, so I just called it season two. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I'm excited to have Hallie Larson with me, and uh, she owns a business here locally, which we're going to dive into. But um, super exciting to to have you here, and someone that I've admired from a distance and said, man, she's awesome, doing good things before I even knew who you were. Mm. So. Um, so I'm uh, excited to kind of dive in. So uh, why don't we start by telling the listeners, watchers, a uh, little bit of background, you know, personal life, and then uh, how long you've been in business and your company name and stuff. Sure. So I'm Haley Larson, and um, I've been an entrepreneur for 20 plus years. Um, I've been building, buying, selling, um, revamping, contracting myself out, um, you know, entrepreneurship for the last 20 years with different types of companies. Um, About, I want to say about 15 years ago, the needs of my family changed and um, I was looking for something to um, take my younger kids to, so why I worked. And I couldn't find anything suitable that I felt like was um, what helped with my needs for my kids. Um, And so Being in a family of educators, um, my first thought was, well, I know how to run businesses. I know how to start businesses. And so I'm like, I'm going to start my own educational business. And that just kind of molded into preschool because my kids were that age. This is what I needed care for. And I was like, well, I can bring them with me. I can be off the days that they're off. I can work their schedule. And so it was just a happy marriage that I could take my kids with me and um, build a good business. So That's awesome. Yeah. So what was your very first business then? My first business was um, furniture and design. So I would had a big furniture warehouse and I had designers that would come purchase from our warehouse. But also I was a designer and so I would go down to Salt Lake to the big dental offices and I would help them design their offices as well as their colors and furniture and um, movement in their offices. And um, so I would do that as well. And that was my first business. Well, let me revamp that. My very, very first business was with my dad. And so he's the one that kind of taught me you know, so that I partnered with him and he taught me how to uh, start a business and I watched him and it was a check cashing store a long time ago. Oh, yeah. And we got that up and running and it was running really well. And then we were bought out by a, a competitor who oh, came cool. and bought us. So that was my very first experience in entrepreneurship, yeah. but then it, you know, transferred into other things. Yeah. I remember you've talked about that before working with your dad. And mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. That's a good place to learn. I it is. have a business with my son. And so oh, wow. I love that. It's, it's been fun. Poor kid this year. I'm like, I'm super busy, buddy. You got to do it yourself. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean the same. My kids have come with me to the preschool. In fact, my daughter, that's a senior, she kind of um, has taken part of my business for tutoring, and so she started her oh, own yeah. business. So, kind of the same. It yeah. kind of stays in the family and awesome. gets good opportunities for them. So a little, uh, I'm trying to remember the right name. Little adventure? No. Oh, sorry. Smarty Pants Preschool. Yeah. Smarty Pants Preschool. Smarty Pants Preschool. It's in Pleasant View. Yeah. And I've seen you grow uh, to multiple different locations and now yeah. you're in the old city office, right? That's what um, it used to be a city I, office or a bank or something? It used to be an old bank and then I think it was a dentist office. Oh, a dentist office. And, yeah. And it sat vacant for a little bit and then we yeah. took it over when the little house we were 
um, renting was for sale. So Got we it. just moved over cool. there. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah. So maybe talk a little bit about that growth and how that looked, where you started and, um, you know, what facilitated each move and I know you've been in three locations since I've known you, so. Yeah, so um, before I moved to the area, I'm from Morgan, and I had three separate preschools up there. So when I married my husband, he was teaching and coaching at Weber High, and it was really late nights, really early mornings, sometimes snowed in mornings because he couldn't get down to school, and so we made the decision to move our family this way. So I ended up selling those businesses up there and moving down this way and starting a new business down here, Smarty Pants. Yeah, starting fresh and um, in this cute little house that used to be those that uh, might be listening that know the Dixons. He used to be a doctor Mm -hmm. there in that little old house. And so um, when we moved down here, I was looking all over for a place and and that just caught my eye and I just fell in love with that little place. Um, Yeah. And then after a few years, they decided to um, sell the property and and it didn't go in our favor, which is fine. And um, it opened um, some more doors to um, grab the property that we're in now. So and um, when we were moving to that different location, I did open another location in Brigham City. So I think I've had six different preschools and we got that up and running. And then I actually sold that to my partner when life got really, really busy and I couldn't facilitate all of the three preschools I was running down here. And then um, that went up there. So now I'm just down to one. Down to one. It's good. Yeah. Simple. And busy. Yes. <laughs> yes. And you got littles and kids and it's I do. I have six kids. Six kids. So I stay yeah. super busy and yeah. all over the board. So we almost had one with us today. Almost. Yes. But but our neighbor my neighbor pulled through and I thought it would be way a lot more fun to go play there than sure it would be to stay that. here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. He'd take over though, but it would be fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be entertaining. Six would be. Fun. He is fun. a lot of fun. That's cool. Well, tell us, how many employees do you have? What does the business structure look like? So we have approximately 12 employees, um, and they're just part-time. They're all working moms. Um, We try to hire employees that have licenses, um, early childhood licenses, as well as, um, you know, credentials and directorship of child care licensing, since we are licensed by the state. Mm -hmm. Um, Amazing women, all moms, except we have one that isn't yet, but all of her little preschoolers are her kids. Is amazing yet or isn't a mom yet? I know. (laughs) Yeah. They're both. She's amazing in both, you know, but she's the only one I believe that we have on staff that isn't a mom quite yet, but I'm sure that's coming in her future. Um, so really, we have about 12 on staff, and we all work part-time. I like to make sure that my moms have time off to be able to handle the things at home. They don't feel overstressed, overworked, and yeah. so they can come and work and be present at work and then go home and be present at home, and that's really important to me. That's awesome. And then how many students? Um, we roughly take between 180 and 220 students a year. Um, and that is split up um, between about eight to ten classes. So it sounds like a lot, but we do have spread out. Spread out we do have a lot of classes, um, and so, but that's around the average of what we have yearly. I, my mom, when I was a kid, needed to take on and make some extra income for her family, and so she started a daycare. Oh, nice! Which had kids coming all day mm-hmm. so yours are just broken up and their classes and then she started a joy school do you remember joy oh school i do yeah i think they and... still have some around which is great That's yes awesome. yeah she did um because the kids were there 
she's like, I might as well just do a joy school with these kids and I, whatever the, there's limitations for a home-based one and, sure. and so I can't remember six to eight kids that she usually had. Right. My whole life, there's just other kids. You always had a play date. Mm-hmm. Always had, well, as the oldest, so oh, I feel that's like a little different. There's a bunch of little kids. Yeah, but I am really good with kids, which is <laughs> good, I guess. But she, um, that's just how it was, you know, right. in, our, in our house. Yeah, so she did. Uh, she did that for a long time, and she had a floral business. So I come from a family of entrepreneurs. Right. Too, so. Yes, my mom had a floral business for did a she? long time. Yeah, yeah. and that was before she finished her degree and got into uh, principalship with oh, the yeah. district. So yeah. yeah. My mom did it till probably two years ago. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. yeah 25, 26 years, something like that. Well, that's it amazing. It started because she found out how much uh, corsages <laughs> yes. were for a dance. And yes. Like, they're like 40 bucks. And she's like, $40? Like $4 worth of roses right. or something like yes. that. I was like, oh, I don't know. And so she went and made one. And then my friends saw it. And they're like, that one's cooler than ours. How much is that? And I'm like, I don't know. My mom made right. it. Right. So, I think that's how my mom started, actually. Really? Yes. Same thing. Mm-hmm. Same thing. Wild. Right, and it's then it's a did, huge markup. On it is huge, right? It's and it's getting oh. higher and higher, is what is I it? hear. Yeah, but that's that's the world the right now. Cost of roses has gone up too. It has. Flowers, mm-hmm. but, um, but that's cool. It is. So it's a couple great. hundred students down to one location. Down to one location, but we have two separate classrooms. Okay. So we have a schedule to meet all of our parents' needs. Because so. that's a fairly big, big, a lot bigger than your previous. Program. Oh yes, by t- probably double size. Double size mm-hmm. Yeah. That could, I haven't been inside of it, but I can tell it's quite a bit bigger. It is, That's yes. Cool. So, um, what is, what do your annual sales look like? Is mm. it, it's probably hard to tell when you've gone from all these different <laughs> locations. But. It is, you know, it just definitely just depends on the year. Especially like some years we run additional programs, some years we use after school programs, some years we don't. Just depending yeah. on the needs that we fill the community. You know, some people will reach out to me. If I get more than like 15 moms that reach out to me, then we'll start that program so they can be involved. So honestly, it just really depends on the year and how many students we have. So what kind of programs do you mean? So we have extra programs for students. Um, Right now we have a STEAM program for our four and five-year-olds. And so it's like science, technology, engineering, math, um, and art. Mm -hmm. And they just do a lot of hands-on activities. We do um, team building activities. We give them a problem and then they solve it. So it's a lot of different skills. Um, And, you know, a lot of the school districts are now incorporating that into their classrooms. And I think that's amazing. And so we have that. Um, last year we ran an after school program uh, different things and art and Legos and homework camp and all different types of yeah. things that last year and what's the age range for kids you work with uh, we start about two and a half we have a discovery program about two and a half to three years old and then we have a three and four year old class and a four and five year old class and then after school we have a tutoring program that my daughter runs after school for oh, kids cool. kindergarten through sixth grade cool yeah Helping with reading and math and things. All the things, yes. Yes, COVID really like put, you know, some really stringent, you know, thumbs on those students. And so they need some, some of those needs extra help. And so we developed that plan. Just catching back up. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Some of our students, you know, weren't in school, you know, for five, six months. And then we had summer and, 
you know, so they they missed integral parts of um, pieces of education right. which they need, whether it's holes in reading or math. You know, they're missing those pieces, and we try to fit those in. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I bet that's a challenge. It is because every student's in, you know different. They're all different. Yeah, yeah, they each have individual curriculum and each have individual needs. Yeah. Yeah, my my two kids. I'm sure it was they're to- totally different. The two that we still have in grades you know right they're uh one she's like just figures it out super smart mm-hmm. i was never that way like <laughs> <the other> <laughs> so <laughs> well i do have to say there is quite a bit of difference between boy learners and girl learners honestly i'll bet oh yeah i'll bet yeah mm-hmm. yeah i i couldn't like she literally did her classes from books and i'm like uh kill me like, <laughs> right. I couldn't have done that. right I think I tried to take a distance learning class one time from BYU and I got about three days in and I was like, this is not going to work. I'm not going to know anything after this. So yeah, definitely. I feel like as you get older and you know, if you, if you're really invested, it's a little bit easier. Yeah. Like last year, um, I went back and got my master's, which was self, you know, directed and, and I actually ended up doing it in about five months. Wow. And, um, which was good. Cause I was like, yeah. I love the material I got in and I was like, yes, I love this. Cause yeah. you know, applied to education and educational technology, which I love. And so I think if it's something you're really interested in and that you don't have to take, yeah. you know, but I was the same as you, I wasn't very invested as a youth Yeah. and you know, I didn't see the relevance. Right. So now we try to teach what the relevance is in life and yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about challenges in your business. What, what, uh, like, what are some of the biggest challenges you've faced being a business owner? How'd you overcome them? You know, what we all face them. So, you know, what, what have you learned from it? What have, what are those situations like? Wow. I think some of the biggest challenges that we had is our growth. We've grown really fast. Um, and so to be able to do that, we had to put special people in place. Like we have a student success, um, person that we have, um, that we've brought on that other preschools don't have in the area. We ha- we definitely have more on staff. Um, and we have teachers that we've hired that have specialized, um, degrees in order to help with what we need at the school and obviously more space since we moved. Yeah. And that's helped a lot too. I think another challenge that we've had is, um, the message that we're putting out into the community. Um, when you're a new business trying to break into a community, everybody's not quite sure, you know, what, what you are and what you're about and you're just a preschool. And I think that was another really, really big hurdle for me was putting out to the community and getting the right message out there is like when your students attending our class, like it's an individualized process that we provide. It's not just play. We don't just babysit, you know, there's educational processes for student success that's built into our program. And a lot of parents that just looked at preschool as play, they didn't see the value in what we were trying to bring. And I think that um, the narrative has continued and people are seeing that and understanding now the importance of what that looks like moving into kindergarten, first grade, um, where the standards are becoming more stringent. Right. And what students need to know and, you know, especially social and emotional learning has been huge the last couple of years, especially with our COVID babies, we call them. Mm-hmm. Um, they're missing a little integral parts of that. And so we have a specialist on staff that, you know, has little fun activities to help with that social emotional growth. So yeah. those are, I think, the two big challenges that we've had um, trying to break into the community. Yeah, here. that's cool. 
Well, and I think anytime you do something where you have a defined why that's unique, that is the challenge, communicating it out. Right. So people know it's not just words. Mm-hmm. This is what we do. But it's so important. It's such an important piece of making something successful long-term. Right. It's, it's different. It's better. Right. And here's why. So right. that's cool. So what is your student success? What did you call it? Student success? Person? Specialist. Specialist. Mm-hmm. What do they do? Yeah. So she works with students that might need a little extra help, you know? So like maybe they have some holes in their social emotional growth, or maybe they have need a little extra help with behaviors, or maybe they have some sensory issues. We're seeing a lot of sensory issues. Yeah. Um, she uh, is right there, and she helps our teachers with techniques that we can utilize to help those students. Um, she also works with parents, so she's kind of a liaison between parents and students and teachers. They have stuff to do at home. They have stuff to do at home. We work together. It's a collaborative effort, yeah. you know, so it's um, something parents feel good about and can feel good about that she is trained to do this in our classroom, and, and so it's been that, amazing. She's educated in that? So that's well, absolutely. So piece, and then that... Do they have those in schools nowadays? They do. Okay. Mm-hmm. There's like a, I feel like I've heard about that before too, but I didn't. Yeah, it's called SEL, necessarily... Social Emotional Learning. They have SEL specialists now. Okay. Um, let's see, what do they call it in elementary school? Um, Leader in Me. Um, they're breaking that into elementary schools here. It's called Leader in Me. It talks about social okay. emotional learning. And we find with te- kids that are on like tier one, this is a, this is educational talk yeah. now. Um, they need those basic needs met before they can learn. Yeah. And so that's what we're trying to do is implement those with those students. So they have that ability to learn early on. I think the education world is one of those that has their own language. It's true. If you're not in it, I'm like, <laughs> I've heard certain whisperings of some of this stuff. Right. Not necessarily understanding what it is or, but. Yeah. yeah. And, and really it's called the role. whole child approach. It's okay. not just academics. We look at the whole child picture. I just learn but what's going on. With what's going on at home. What's yeah. What maybe something they're struggling with, or maybe we're yeah. having a speech delay and they can't communicate why they're upset. And so, you yeah. know, we have different things in place to help with those students. Very cool. Well, talk to me about, uh, your leadership style. How do you run the business? What's your approach? What, what's important to you as a leader? Right. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because I took a class this summer that the school district asked me to teach or asked me to take, And I realized that what I thought who I was really isn't who I am. And so it really made me evaluate myself as a leader. Um, I want to say I'm a leader that's in the trenches with my students or with my teachers. And I'm also a teacher for students. And I I teach in an alternative high school right now. I just administrate uh, smarty pants. But... um, I feel like I'm in the trenches with them. So I know exactly what's happening every day. Like we have those communications every day, but I give autonomy to my teachers to be able to make decisions in the classroom, you know, because we change everything every year. So that takes a huge load on my teachers and I help alleviate that by giving them direction, but I let them determine on what their students need, you know, so we don't have a playbook that's the same every year. It changes year to year depending on our students and what they need. So it changes... Does it change the curriculum or just changes how you present the curriculum? Both. Both of them. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we go in and assess our students and see where they're at, and then we decide what we need to teach that year in, in order for them per to be class, successful. Mm-hmm. Per situation. Yeah, yeah per class, per situation, per student. Yeah. So all of our students have individualized curriculum, which takes hours and hours and hours for each teacher to develop. Yeah. 
I'll bet. Wow, that's that's interesting. So you're you're teaching as well. You are a busy girl. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I run that. I run a nonprofit. I started a couple of years ago oh, too. Yeah, tell us so about that. the pledge jar. Yeah. So when I moved to Pleasant View, I'm not from here. I'm a transplant. Um, I was really really surprised to find out the need that a lot of our young people need um, for financial assistance in extracurricular activities. Um, with my husband coaching at Weber High, we saw that need huge. Yeah. With me, you know, with parents coming to me saying, oh, I really want my student to be involved, but we don't have the money. And so I thought about it for about a year, put some pieces in place and put some board members together and we founded a nonprofit and it's called the Pledge Jar. And what we do is we help fund extracurricular activities for underprivileged kids in our area. Awesome. So we do big fundraisers through the year and then, you know, we find people that need help and we provide that support. That's awesome. Very yeah. cool. So what does your husband coach? So he's not coaching right now. Okay. He's coaching our little ones, yeah. but he was the head baseball coach there for uh, Weber High for about eight years. And then okay. he was the head basketball coach for about six years. And when I had my sixth baby, it was time to readjust what family <laughs> life looks like um, because I had, you know, a lot of times I'm by myself and it's a full-time job to coach. Yeah. So we had to make a tough decision and it was really hard for him because he, I mean, that's his heart and soul. Yeah. And it was really tough for him to step down, but our family needed him home. And, you know, yeah. we were, I was in the car, you know, 80% of my life yeah. after school. So crazy. <laughs> it was so crazy with babies in the back seat. And, you know, yeah. most families go through this. this isn't not that most families don't. We just had yeah. to make a decision that best suited our family. And that was it. So, yeah. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. That's cool. He still teaches up there, but, and yeah. he coaches here and there and he coaches our little ones now as yeah. they're getting older. So as they get into sports and yeah. different things, mm -hmm. that's fun. I, I'm, I just started coaching my uh, first time that we have a boys volleyball club. Oh, I love for, that. Uh, basically 10 to 14 years. Yeah. So, uh, I've coached for a few years on girls yeah? volleyball. That's great. And you can do co-ed because you can have a certain amount of boys on a girls team. Okay. But they've never had an all boys so it's new, so we're excited. That's amazing. In yeah. fact, I always wondered why Utah wasn't more ahead of the game on that because okay. when I was in high school playing volleyball, I would go to BYU and we'd do team camps and individual yeah. camps and there were guys there yeah. from all over the states, nobody from Utah. So I was like, why? So weird. It is weird that we were so behind on that. I went to BYU camps too. Yeah. And I was, I'd go and I'm like, I thought they were just... Utah is going to be amazing because BYU has always been really good. UU right. had a great program. Right. I played at Ricks when it was called Ricks. Mm -hmm. We would play UVU and they would just trounce everybody. It right. was so good. Have some great programs. And I, we move here and all of a sudden I'm like, wait, there's no men's volleyball? I what know. The, they don't even have it in the schools. It's I know. Weird. So anyway, they're pushing for it to be in the schools. Whether that happens or not, a good club program can take Absolutely. care of it. Absolutely. Well, and it's important because, you know, if you look at the way sports are going now, it looks like they're more high schoolers are moving towards the club yeah. instead of high school because they're getting more looks from colleges yeah. and different opportunities that way. So and more play, more know, play. You get the tournament. You know, I, don't, I, I know soccer does that too, the tournament situation, but volleyball, you'll go to an all day tournament and it's. You know, that's a lot of playing. And it is a lot of playing. I remember that when I played. Crazy. It was. It, but, you know, that's how they build skills and get better. So. It is, yeah. I've had two girls go through it, now my son, and so it's kind of fun. I love it. So, yeah, that's cool. 
So, um, you talked about being in the trenches with your team. Um, what happens when there's like a, a problem, when there's a situation? Like, talk to me about how you handle it. Like, maybe with an employee or a student, um, you got something serious that happens. How do you handle that? What, what's your approach? Well, I think my first approach is, is to gather all the information because their side, the parents or students' side, what everybody else is seeing can be completely different. So it's really an investigating process first, just to kind of get a good idea how everybody sees it. Um, and then I talk to the parent personally, and then I say, oh, I totally, you know, you go through the same business, you know, yeah. oh, I totally get it. Let me, let me go back to my team, see, you know, and then, and then usually we'll meet together if it's a problem with a student or a parent or something like that. Um, I do like to say that, knock on wood, that I don't normally have any staff problems. I think it's super important about who you hire. Yeah. Um, that makes a huge difference. And when you work in a business full of women, you always think there's going to be something. And there always is a little bit. Yeah. But I hire people that I feel can take care of that themselves. And then if I need to step in, I will. But 90% of the time, they take care of that themselves, whether it's a misunderstanding or you know, they have a different idea about what they want to do. And so I tend to let them work that out. And if they can't, then I can get involved, but I'd rather not. I'd rather have yeah. them be adults and, and figure it out and work it out. And they do. Good. And they're amazing women. So Yeah. Um, oddly enough, my company is mostly women. Yeah. Too, so creatives tend to be females. I have two guys that work with me. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you're together. not completely outnumbered. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. I have had times where I was the only man. Um, and yeah, but most of the time it's that way. And right now we have... Our head graphic designer switched out and, and became a man last year, and then okay. uh, our proofreader. Um, and I had ne I'd always had female proofreaders for forever. And right. He um, was he's a student at Weaver State and um, smart smart guy. And yeah. He came in and came in from a referral from our last nice. proofreader, and it worked worked out really good. That's the best, you yeah. know. In fact, ninety percent of the women I have on staff, their students came to Smarty Pants. Oh yeah. Yeah. So they knew it's a great place to work. They wanted to be involved. I usually don't have to. Not very often do I have to put, "Hey, we're hiring." Put a nat out because yeah. it usually is word of mouth, and that's the best way. It is the best way. That's the nice thing I think about our community too, because I've had that as well. Just every once in a while I have to, but because people need to know, but most of the time it's a friend or friend of somebody who works here or a referral so those are the best yeah i absolutely agree um moving down to pleasant view from a little town in morgan i was really nervous about that but i've been really pleasantly surprised about how amazing all the business owners are here and the community involvement in yeah. the things that we're doing here and it's just been amazing in fact like i've been pleasantly surprised and so congratulations to pleasant view, pleasant view. Yeah. i you know i really was hesitant to come down not knowing what it looked like because you know in morgan yeah. just you know everybody and it's tight-knit yeah. and um it's exceeded my expectations so i'm Thoroughly impressed with yeah. the people here. It is pretty cool here. We're actually in North Ogden right here, but Pleasant Beach. Oh, just right, and both. Thing, yeah, we, yeah, we, it's we, kind of one community. <laughs> it is. So it's been, it's good, and it's it's interesting because you know you get part of the chamber, and there's some North Ogden people that go to chamber things, but right. North Ogden area, Northern Ogden, we stick together like we kind of have absolutely. Our own it's, it's unique. It so. is very unique, and it's really refreshing. 
yeah. you know, that we can work together as a community. Yeah. And do some good things. Too. Yeah. Kind of There's fun. tons of good things happening yeah. all over, even behind the scenes that nobody ever sees or talk, you know, hears about, mm -hmm. you know, there's just amazing people in this community, whether it's their time, whether it's their resources, like there's just so many people willing to step up. It's been amazing. A lot of givers. Yeah, that's cool. I think that's just how you do it, right? In business, yeah. that's what's successful. You know, yeah. that's why I started the nonprofit is I felt so blessed to be in this community and people that supported us. I couldn't help but not give back. Right. Cool. So talk successes. What are the, what are some successes you've had and maybe your, your favorite success or biggest success along the way? Um, I remember you talked to, um, our young men's group. We go to church together mm -hmm. and our young men's group about, uh, goal setting and how you accomplish things. And it's obviously very important to you, but maybe talk about some of the best successes as you've gone through your career and how that all played in. Gosh, I think, um, some of my best successes are people-based. Um, the relationships that I've gained through my journey. Um, I, I would attribute those to like my biggest success because relationships are really what life is, yeah. whether it's business, family, friends, like it's all relationships for me and how you build those and continue with those. Um, as far as my goal setting, um, I am one of those people that can visualize what I want it to look like. And I automatically know the path, which is people look at me like I'm crazy, but I'm just one of those people that can just, okay, this is what we need to put in place. And so usually what I do is work on a one, five and 10 year plan. And I look at my 10 year plan and then I work backwards to my five year plan. And then I work backwards to my one year plan. And then if I need to, you know, if I have short term goals or whatever, but I always look at what my end result is going to be. And then I look backwards to see what things I need to put in place. Um, one thing with my goals that I've really learned about myself is I need to make them attainable. I'm one of those people that if I'm not sure if it's attainable, but I stretch myself a little, I can do that. But if, if I know it's like clear out there, I don't even try to work on it yeah. because it's just like, I know I'm never going to get there. Yeah. So, you know, right. And <laughs> so I look at that and, and I realize that about myself, about even setting like new year's resolutions. I don't do yeah. that anymore because yeah. I get three years down the or three months down the road and I'm like, having started this, I feel like a right. failure, right. you know? And so, Right. But you do want to stretch yourself. You yeah. do want to like continue to make yourself better. And, but you don't want it to get so far out there where you're like, it's totally not unattainable and you don't even try. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Cool. So I, I do set those goals. Um, so when you say, you know, you know what to do, like you kind of can visualize the steps that it's going to take to get there and what you need to do, what you need to work on. That's pretty cool. Absolutely. That's yeah, it, it is. And people ask me all the time, like, can you write it down? Can you put it down? It's like, I can write pieces of it, but for me, it's just, you know, a, a straight visual line. And then, and it's key to put those people in place that are going to help you get there. And obviously there's times you have to pivot as a business owner. It's a con constant pivot and you've got to be able to be adaptable. Yep. And so sometimes, you know, you get down there and you're like, Oh, okay. We're going to have to pivot, you know? And yeah. so it might change a little bit, but I think as long as you put the right people in place, you know, and you continue your vision and they have the same vision and they understand the why you'll get there and be successful. Cool. So you said the why, what's your why? The why? 
Well, my why has changed over the years, honestly. Um, My first was because I wanted a great place for my kids to go. And so I basically built my business on, I want this this for my children. Like, what would I want for my kids? And I've continued to do that. Um, And my wife's changed. Like, I built the business based on what I needed from my family. Mm -hmm. And then I have fallen in love with education. So my first degree is in professional sales with an emphasis in business and marketing. Mm -hmm. And then when I started teaching, I'm like, I love this. This is like, and when things are really hard in life and, you know, I went through a bunch of hard times, like I would go to school, all that would melt away. And I have these little ones around me that it's rainbows and sparkles and just, you know, they just come in clean and fresh and, you know, so my why has changed over the years. You know, a need versus now I want to do this. Yeah. And um, it just brings me so much joy and feeling of accomplishment every day that, you know, something that I can measure and see. So uh, I think you talked about you, you guys have contact with schools after kids leave your programs and you can hear, I, I don't know, I'm going to say the wrong words. Oh, you're good. <laughs> you know the stats or whatever. <laughs> like that's a business yeah. term, but you know, like how much better they're performing and things like that. Right. Talk about that a little bit. So education has really become data-driven. And so when I started preschool, it was way data-driven before education was because as a business owner, you work on data. And so I started data a long time ago, but now it's kind of incorporated into education. And so what we do is we look at our our data and we follow, not necessarily we talk to the teachers because there's FERPA laws and things that we, you know, they can't divulge, but we follow these families that have been with us, you know, and these kids have been with us for a long time and we just check up on them and see how they're doing. Or they even reach out to us and be like, thank you so much because, you know, this just set their foundation and they've just taken off from you guys. And so usually we're finding about, we usually about 10% of our um, student population we follow each year. Yeah. And we there is there are about 85% of those are in the top of their class. That's cool. So we feel like we do a good job setting that yeah. love of learning, really. Just getting yeah. them involved. Love to learn and the foundations they need to be successful later on. And, that's, and doing it when we're having fun. Yeah. So that's the most important part. Very cool. Yeah. I think that's pretty impactful and... Um... Obviously, when kids are happy and healthy and feel good, then they can learn more. Right. All of that. So I've well, and they've, my kids. they've got to like who their teacher is yeah, in order to learn. So, like, yeah. There's a trust factor there, too. There is. Absolutely. Um, so I, uh, another question that I um, like to think about for myself is when, there's, when you become a leader, you have 12 people that you're interacting with. Um, we're reached, we've reached a point with Connection Publishing where I can't be in every decision. Right. Much to my chagrin. <laughs> like, I want to. I, I, I don't think I'm that controlling until somebody tries to decide something for me, and I'm like, right. uh, "That's mine," you know. Right. But I've learned over the over the years when I have important things that I want to make sure are part of everything we do, when it is outside of me, right? When I can't be the decider, um, I. I have to come up with little mantras that I say to our team all the time. And so, um, for example, we create connection. Mm-hmm. Um, another one I say is, who do, who do we serve? Like when you're making that decision, who, who are you serving? Does that right. matter? 
Do you have anything like that? Anything you repeat as like a theme that you want your people to know when you can't be there to make the decision or don't want to be there to make the decision? Mm -hmm. What are the, the principles that you operate on that you repeat? Oh, you find yourself saying over and over. Right. Again? Yeah, absolutely. I think the big one for me is what would you want as a parent? Huge, right? Like, yeah. especially when you're dealing with littles and children, like, what would you like to see? Yeah. What would you want to happen? Yeah. And and then we make those decisions based on what, you know, it's a little different on the other side, you know. Yeah. It might, your feelings might be a little different when you're the teacher, but when you're the parent, you go, what would I want as a parent? And so yeah. we utilize that quite a bit, That's you know, nice. and it, you, if you keep that in the forefront of your mind, you make decisions a little differently. Yeah. Um, and then also uh, learning with love and laughter. And that's, that's a big model. As long as there's love and laughter involved, then we're all over it. Yeah. So awesome. those are the two ones I think we use the most. Very cool. Well, um, as we kind of wrap up here, the last thing I, I want to talk about is advice for other entrepreneurs, people who are, that's my, uh, like my sports teams, I right. have entrepreneurs, I think they're amazing and I, I'm inspired by them, but as uh, an entrepreneur, a successful entrepreneur, what are some piece of, pieces of advice? What would you say? Where would you start? What would you recommend to, to people who are like, I want to start my own thing? Right. Run, or <laughs> what? <laughs> run, run away? <laughs> well, you know, entrepreneurship is a double-edged sword like it is in any business. Um, a couple of things, you know, when I've been approached before that I said is get a mentor. Someone that's done it before in the industry that you want because instead of making a year, two, three years of mistakes, like there's so much knowledge that they have. Yeah. And entrepreneurs are amazing because they want to just spew out all of their knowledge to you, you know, and it might come like as a fire hose, but they're the people that I find that want to help people the most. Yeah. So I'd say find a mentor. Number two, make a business Probably plan. We went through that two to three years. Yes. Pain, yes. Like, oh, uh, I figured this out. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, a lot of times we don't hold secrets. Yeah. We want other people to That's succeed. True. You know, yeah. we want them to be successful and just pick your brain. Like, I think anybody that you would go to, you know, Christy Pack or you or Jenny Taylor, you know, there are so many, of them. So many people in That's our true. community just willing to help and yeah. uh, get you started. But ask all the questions first and start putting a plan together. Second, this is something I learned the hard way is to make sure you put boundaries for yourself. When you're an entrepreneur, it takes over your life. Yeah. And there are so many times that I didn't realize like the business was creeping into my family time. Yeah. And um, if, there's been quite a few times where I've had to reel myself back in and be like, okay, I'm only gonna work during these times. I'm only gonna do, and this is my family time. <laughs> and I found that as an entrepreneur, it's so much startup and so much time that sometimes we forget the important pieces of life and why we're doing what we're doing right. because it does require so much time and energy and effort. I'm on that team, the one that works way too much. Yes. <laughs> well, because that's how we feed our family that's is true. by the work that we do. But I feel like if you don't feed yourself and the people that are supporting you, it, it definitely takes a toll on not only business, but your family yeah. and everything else. So I would definitely say put some, some boundaries down. When and you're gonna work what hours? At what hours? What's too too gone? You know, too far. Right. Into your personal time. Yeah, and you know what? That's changed over the years. 
with yeah. my family situation. There's yeah. times I can work a ton and then times that I can't. So you capitalize on those times where you yeah. have it and then you have to be able to scale back. So much probably hard because the kids are home. Kids are yeah. home. Plus, yeah. You know, <laughs> quiet time around the house. Definitely. Definitely. Um, time management's key. Yeah. Another one is time management for sure and where you're going to, where you are going to use your time. Um, and then just get all the knowledge that you need and be yeah. open and give yourself grace. Because you're going to fail a yeah, lot. A lot. A lot. And I continue to fail. There's yeah. things I still do that I continue to fail. But, you know, and that's just a part of life and learning and growing as yeah. an entrepreneur, you know. and As a person. And as a person. Yeah, absolutely yeah. as a person. And um, as entrepreneurs, I find that most of us have ADHD. And, <laughs> it, you know, <laughs> and so if you are one of those, um, like myself, you know, you still can be successful. You yeah. know, you just have to be a little bit more cognitive about where your your brain is going. Yeah. And and I had an interesting conversation with my brother on Sunday, you know, and he's like, well, are you one of those people that have three screens on your computer and you have 50 tabs open on all? <laughs> and I said, yes. And he's just yeah. like, <laughs> he, he put me onto a book that's called One Tab. And really? it talks about just streamlining your thought yeah. process. And anyway, it, it's a really amazing um, process if you think about it. It's just try to concentrate because when you try to do yeah. a million different things, you're not good at any of those. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's so I think that's my advice I have. Ooh, that would be a challenge. I always have 13 things come at me whenever I'm <laughs> working on one thing. So right. that's hard to imagine. It is hard, but I just keep a notepad. Yeah. With the things that come to my brain instead of like, oh, I need to look at this. Oh, I need. So it it really is just staying focused on, you know, and if not, you'll get really overwhelmed as as a business owner. So. Well, it's cool. It is great. Well, anything else you'd like to add? Gosh, I think that um, I'm so happy to be here in this community. It's just welcome. I mean, they just welcomed me with open arms and especially the new business coming in. You never know how that's going to be. Um. And I just love the people here and the collaboration and the support, I think, in this community. And so I think everybody here needs to have, like, a good pat on the back of, you know, I think everybody pulls together and and, um, has been amazing here. And I've really enjoyed my time here and hope to stay here for a long time. So Cool. If well, you'll have me, I guess. Yeah. I, I awesome. <laughs> well, me, me too. But you know, <laughs> I, Morgan kind of draws me away a little bit. But you know, I Try to pull you back. Pull me back a little bit, you know. But I think when you build a life here in business, yeah. it's hard to get away and start incorporating yourself here, and it's been amazing. So. Yeah. Well, we uh, we think it's great, and uh, you've got a great little business, a lot of impact. I think you have in, in the community, which is awesome. So, well, thank you, and thanks for having me. It's been a lot yeah, of fun. Yeah, thanks for coming <laughs> on my podcast. It's just like a conversation. So that's, it is. It's great. Yeah, I like it. And so, you know me. I got stuff to say. Yeah, I mean that's education. We could talk all day long about that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. But we appreciate you and all the work that you're doing, and it's been really awesome. Your impact in the community has been wide. We appreciate that. We work hard. Yeah. You never know if you're working hard for nothing, but you try. Some days you feel that way, right? And then you get little wins and you're like, okay, tomorrow let's do this. It was a win. Let's keep going. It's so true. Yeah, absolutely. Well, cool. Well, thanks again. And uh, we'll send this to you so you can send it to all your friends. Oh, gosh, yeah. Uh (laughs) (laughs) It'll be great. It will be. Okay. Well, thank you.